Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Eva Kaur passed away last year. Eva was a Romanian-born survivor of the Holocaust. Together with her twin sister, Miriam, she was subjected to human experimentation at the hands of Dr. Joseph Mengele, also known as the Angel of Death, at the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp in German-occupied Poland during the Second World War. Eva and her sister, her twin sister, survived Auschwitz, but her parents did not. Her other two siblings did not. And for decades afterward, Eva carried around, understandably in her heart, a great deal of bitterness and anger, not only toward her Nazi captors, but toward the world as well. She tried to heal the deep hurt in her soul, but nothing worked until she decided to try something extreme. Eva decided to try forgiving her Nazi captors. When others heard of it, they called her crazy. Some said that it was morally indefensible to forgive such horrific crimes. But Eva sat down and wrote a letter of forgiveness to a former Nazi doctor at Auschwitz, living in Germany, who had been one of Eva's acquaintances. She also wrote a letter of forgiveness to Dr. Mengele, whose whereabouts were unknown, but it was in that case simply a therapeutic ritual of letter writing, getting it out. It was cathartic. It was a release for her. And she said, after writing those letters of forgiveness, it felt as if a weight was lifted off of her. It changed her life. And Eva Kaur became an advocate for forgiveness. In fact, several years ago, she came to Columbus. She was living in Terre Haute where she resettled after the war. But she came to Columbus and spoke at the Commons on the topic of forgiveness. It was an inspiring talk. And you may be aware there's a lot of buzz in the secular media these days about forgiveness. There has been for two or three decades. The world is discovering the benefit of forgiveness. It enables you to find closure 
for a painful episode in your life. It enables you to, to move on and to get on with your life, to, to lay down the idea of victimhood and to take control of your life. And there are positive psychological and emotional benefits to forgiveness as well. You can read many articles on the internet about that. So the world discovers forgiveness. And that's Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, page 11 in the bulletin. And a quote from Eva Kor, letter A. You cannot change what happened in the past. All you can do is change how you respond. How you respond. Letter B, to forgive means to let go. To let go, that's forgiveness. So what are you letting go of? Well, for one thing, you're letting go of your right to justice. You're giving up your claim to any compensation for the infraction, the offense, whatever it was. You give up what you're owed. That's the radical nature of forgiveness. It's wiping clean any and all indebtedness. That's forgiveness. Letter C, that's why forgiveness is costly. It's very costly. If you damage something of mine and I forgive you, it means I bear the cost myself of restoration. Either I pay to restore what you destroyed or I learn to live without what you destroyed. Either way, there's a cost. To me, the victim bears the cost, not the victimizer. And that's why forgiveness is so controversial. Eva Kor found out that her fellow Jews were outraged and angry with her when they learned of her decision to forgive. And it is a decision, it's a choice, it's not a feeling you have. It's a choice you make and the feelings follow. But it's a choice. They said to her things like, you're minimizing the Nazi war crimes when you forgive. You're trivializing the suffering of your own people when you forgive. She was called a traitor by her own. Eva said, you cannot change what happened in the past. You can only change how you respond. That's true. But I suppose if anyone could change the past, it would be God. Our Lord Jesus himself said, with God, all things are possible. But our Lord did not change the past. He chose to respond, and that's Roman numeral two. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, chooses to deal with the past the same way you and I must deal with the past, not by changing it, but by responding to it. And by choosing to respond to us in forgiveness, our Lord Jesus reveals the loving heart of the Father to all the world. Letter A, 
Man's sin is God's sorrow. God sorrows over what we do and say. You know, Moses wrote in Genesis 6, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Therefore, God was sorry that he made man and he was grieved in his heart. Man's sin is God's sorrow. Jesus said in the garden, my heart is sorrowful to the point of death. Stay with me, watch and pray. St. Paul wrote in Ephesians, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Our Lord Jesus is an emotional being. God is an emotional being, just like you, just like me. Our sins wound him, not only emotionally, but they wound him physically at the cross. And so here's my question. What is our Lord Jesus to do with the pain we inflict upon him? Both emotional and physical. What is he to do with it? He chooses to let it go. He lets it go by forgiving us. Forgiving you, forgiving me. That's our Lord. Letter C, or I should say letter B. The enemy of natural life is death. The life that you and I live today in the body ends at death. The enemy of eternal life is sin. Eternal life that God gives us through Jesus is beyond death's reach. Death cannot touch that life. Jesus will not allow our sin to come between himself and us. He will not allow our sin to come between eternal life and us. He chooses to let go of his pain, his sorrow, his righteous anger. He lets it go and he chooses to forgive. Let her see. Forgiveness means there is a price to be paid so that the offense is not minimized. When Christians talk about forgiveness, we're not minimizing any offense. It cost our Lord his life. And justice is satisfied. That yearning for justice and reparation within all of us, made in the image of God, who is righteous and just, it's satisfied at the cross. By choosing to respond in forgiveness, you see, God is making a statement to all the world about who he is and how he chooses to respond to his own pain and his own sorrow. 
and if Jesus is a victim on the cross. And we talked about this on Good Friday. If he is a victim at the cross, he is a victim who's in charge of his own victimization. You see, forgiveness is his way of taking control of an otherwise traumatic and painful situation. And letter D, to forgive is to proclaim peace. And peace in the Bible is not just the absence of conflict. It is rather the presence of goodwill. His peace is joy in his presence, knowing that the relationship we have with him is unconditionally founded on his performance rather than our performance. Roman numeral three, the work, and I emphasize that, the work of the church on earth is to forgive and to retain sins. Through the preaching of the gospel, through the administration of baptism, which is God's work, and the promise of forgiveness is attached to it. The Lord's Supper is the Lord's work, his supper. He's the host, he's the meal. The promise of forgiveness is attached to that. Churches these days do many different things. They provide many different kinds of services, and many of them good. But the work that he's given to the church to do is to release you from your sins. Letter A. The government bears God's sword to punish evildoers. Justice. The church bears God's peace. That's the sword of the Spirit. The proclamation of forgiveness. It is, it is peace at our Lord's expense. Verse 23 in your lesson on page 10. Our Lord says, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. That's a literal translation from the Greek. Have been forgiven. It's a perfect passive tense. Meaning this, it's something that's been completed in the past and it continues into the present. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Again, completed action in the past that continues into the present. What does that mean? Letter B, when we forgive the penitent person, the repentant person, it's because God already has. I'm simply speaking forgiveness to that repentant individual that God has already spoken in heaven. That's what I must say to that person. Nothing else but forgiveness, because God is saying that already. Now, in the same way, if someone is unrepentant or, or impenitent, as we might say, God is withholding that forgiveness for as long as they do not repent. It's a stern warning, but it's a warning that sometimes, out of love, we must speak, because God wants all to repent and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So the question is, if God's already speaking it in heaven, why do I need to speak it on earth? 
Good question. Can you hear God speaking it in heaven? Well, if you did, you might be frightened. His voice is like thunder. It shakes the earth. No, instead he chooses to speak to you through a voice. Someone who cares enough to speak his forgiveness to you. That's how you know for certain you're forgiven. So, Roman numeral four, why forgive? The world's motivation is self-help, and that's very understandable. You can read all about the emotional, the psychological benefits of forgiving your offender. We in the church, we do not deny that, but that's not why we forgive. We must forgive for reasons that are other than self-serving ones. No, we forgive out of gratitude to God for the forgiveness he showered upon us. St. Paul wrote, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. You see, that's the key. God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness begins with God. And, and we are called to be stewards of God's manifold grace, passing along to others what he has showered upon us. And if you have trouble forgiving someone, I would bet it's for this reason. It's because you've forgotten how much God has forgiven you. I know the only way I can forgive is to see myself as I see my offender. You see, I'm the offender before God. And he graciously forgives me, freely forgives me, wipes all the debts off my record. My record is clean. When I remember that, then I can look at my neighbor and willingly, even gladly, forgive. That's our motivation as Christians. That's the motivation that is a humble motivation. We must first see that there's a log in our own eye before we can remove the speck from our brothers. And finally, let us see the problem, or I would say the myth, of forgiving oneself. You know, people will say to me, Pastor Armstrong, I know on the basis of the gospel, I, I can forgive my offender, but I have trouble forgiving myself. You can go online and read articles at WebMD or Psychology Today, and they'll, they'll talk about the benefits of forgiveness, and they'll also talk about how difficult it is to forgive yourself. Why is that? Well, I think one answer would be you and I were never called by God 
to forgive ourselves. Nowhere in the Bible are we encouraged to forgive ourselves. You see, forgiveness has to come to us from outside ourselves. It, it comes ultimately from God. And if guilt is burdening you, if that accusing voice of your conscience is pointing the finger at you and will give you no rest, the answer is not to forgive yourself. No. God's solution is to hear his forgiveness spoken to you through a voice. You're hearing the voice of your conscience condemning you. Hear another voice. God's voice of forgiveness releasing you from your sins. That's the only thing that can drown out the accusing voice within. And I promise you this, if no one else will speak God's forgiveness to you, I will. Call Grace Lutheran Church. Our contact information is at our website. Email me, gracecolumbus.org, jwarmstrong, gracecolumbus.org. I'll speak God's forgiveness to you, and I'll go one better. You don't even have to tell me what it was you did wrong. You just need to admit it was wrong. It was an offense to God and to your fellow man. And I'll speak God's forgiveness to you. And I will bet that you'll leave better for it. You know, our Lord suffered much pain and sorrow, and he chose to deal with it at the cross by letting it go. And when he let it go, he forgave it. That's how he let it go. You and I cannot hear that voice enough. We need to hear that voice of forgiveness. And so my prayer for you is that our Lord, throughout your life's journey, would surround you with people who care enough about you to speak God's forgiveness to you. May it be so. In the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus, amen.